0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson resumes our series on the letters of Paul to the church at Corinth. Today, providing an introduction to Second Corinthians and looking at Chapter One. And now, here's Phil.
1: We are continuing in our series in the two books of Corinthians that we have in our Scriptures. And we're starting this morning on 2 Corinthians with an introduction uh, to the book. The question we asked at the beginning of 1 Corinthians in a similar introduction was, where do I go when the going gets grueling? The situation between the Apostle Paul and the Corinthians uh, could be described as grueling still when we come to his second book. I looked up the definition of grueling. I should have given that on the first book that I was using was something that is extremely tiring and difficult, demanding great determination and effort. I was reflecting on the most grueling time that I had at work, and it fits into what we're talking about here. I was appointed to manage the kid mind, a great part of it at least and uh, I learned in my uh, early days there that the mine was designed to withstand seismic events of Richter 1.0 on the on the scale that measures the earthquake intensity and energy not long after I got there we experienced an earthquake mine mining induced of 3.2 doesn't sound like very much different, but it's very, very large difference. When that happened, uh, I was called out, and we, a team of us, went to look at what damage was caused. A couple of levels in the, a couple of levels in the mine had been destroyed, and uh, fortunately, no one was killed. We learned that the cause of the earthquake was. Fault slip, uh, where there was a huge series of faults in the mine, and when when they intersected under a stress redistribution caused by mining, uh, it it had the potential to uh, totally destroy the mine from further for, further activity. So for about a year, I prayed every morning that the Lord would help us through this without any uh, damage to people and and. Uh, further causes of difficulties for us all. Where did I go at the time of such grueling situation? Yes, we turned to the the science, to the measurements, to the uh, things that we could do to improve the situation, of course repairing uh, what was the damage that was done. Uh, And of course I went to the Lord to seek his guidance and wisdom and uh, strength to go through these grueling times. The Apostle Paul was dealing with huge faults, the fault of sin in the lives of people and how bringing a group of people together from different backgrounds, races and, and uh, ambitions and all kinds of different dynamics in that church that led him to... Uh, see his life as extremely grueling and we will see about that with great him him in great passion as he writes this second book the the it's interesting to note and we'll see that as we go through this that he visited there several times he wrote more books than we have in our Bible to this church and the intensity of his grueling work there is just uh, uh, something that he gives us huge insights into. that can benefit us in our Christian lives as we look through these scriptures and see how he turned to God and how we ought to turn to God and appreciate him in our lives when the going gets difficult for us. So I've entitled the question before us this morning, where do I, where do I go, where do we go when the going remains grueling over a long period of time? He's not just an instantaneous thing. It's an ongoing thing uh, for us as Christians as we seek to serve the Lord, both individually and together. We're going to cover the first book, and I just want to introduce it. Sorry, the first chapter of the book. Uh, as part of our introduction, I would just like to read the first seven verses. And I'd like you to note as we read it the various dimensions on which Paul describes what he's saying, how they interleave and are related together. And how if we follow uh, the, the description of looking to God for strength and comfort, how these different, different aspects of the walk of faith merge and fit together and are connected together and have real power and meaning in our life as we seek to walk uh, the Christian walk. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Archaea, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, We'll just go through a few of the introductory parts of the the letter just to help us get a a broad glimpse of the book that's before us, why we should study it, and uh, what things we might potentially learn from it. It's clear that this letter was wrote by the Apostle Paul. He says that right at the beginning of the book uh, that we just read, and it's also very clear throughout the book, through the circumstances and through the description of his activities, And in my view, no one else but the Apostle Paul uh, could have read, uh, uh, written this book. Notice that it's written to the Church of God in Corinth, but it's also written together uh, with all the saints and for all the saints throughout the province of Achaia. And you can see where Corinth is located on the map and uh, the area of Achaia uh, is there. And we went over some of those aspects of what that meant during those times. But it was written for the churches throughout the saints in that whole province area and uh, also includes us by application uh, to today. I've aside When and from, from Where. When was it written? Uh, where was it written from? And significantly here we see the Apostle Paul in his love and his care and his passion for this church to stick with him and to continue his his work there the work of the Lord through him in that church through so much uh, trial and difficulty that they were facing as we saw specifically in first Corinthians chapter one first uh, 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 Corinthians uh, uh, the first Corinthians book rather sorry and notice as I just uh, go through these various uh, verses and and uh, references, Uh, This is a difficult thing to fit together because it's not written in the A, B, C, D, E format in the book. You have to dig these things out to find out the sequence of events that are going on. And I may not have this correct, uh, but uh, I, I stand corrected wherever that needs to be done. But notice the visits and the letters. Paul establishes the Corinthian church on his first visit recorded in Acts 18 verses, uh, chapter 18 verses 1 through 19, and then Paul, after establishing that church with the help of others, leaves Corinth for es- Ephesus, and then he refers to uh, a first uh, letter being written that is lost, not included in our in our scriptures, and then there was a delegation sent to Ephesus from the Corinthian church to Paul, and you'll remember in the first book, uh, he, they had a whole list of things that they wanted answered by the apostle paul uh by coming to him and that was the the occasion for his writing uh the first corinthians letter that we have uh in in our uh, in our scriptures and that's really the second letter uh and it's first corinthians written from ephesus where he was uh for that delegation visit and then there's reference made in second corinthians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 that paul uh had a second visit Although he had others planned, which we'll go through later, uh, but he did make a second visit, which he calls a painful visit, Second Corinthians chapter two verses three and four, where we pick that up. And then he refers, as well in this book before us, uh, that he had a painful third letter that's not part of our canon, and uh, uh, it too is, is is lost, not with us. Then there was an, a, a visit by. Uh, Titus bringing news about the Corinthian church, an update to to him about what was still going on after the first letter was written, and that's uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 2, verse 12, uh, 7, and chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. And Titus brought some encouraging news to to Paul about the church and how at least some of the problems and issues had been dealt with and uh, was a real encouragement uh, to the apostle for all of his efforts in the Lord. Then Paul writes what is his fourth letter, I believe, uh, which is Second Corinthians, the uh, book before us, from written from Macedonia about A.D. 55. And I just note that because this is over happening over a period of years, and Paul is faithfully serving this church over a vast, a long period of time in his ministry to help ensure them, to the best of his efforts, that. Uh, that in the lord they would uh, find their way as a mature uh, group of christians there and we learn in second corinthians chapter 13 that he planned plan was planning a third visit uh, to them i I like this fun bit of work on studying these books it's called a word cloud and i'm a real newbie at trying to figure out how to Use it, but it's interesting when when you map the frequency of the words used in the in the book. What kind of themes flow through uh, and are and are important? Uh, I look at those words that are frequently uh, used in the book on three dimensions. One is the 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 words that show up in the highest usage in the center of the arrow, and it's all about God. It's all about his his will. It's about the Lord. It's about God's love. It's about the Lord Jesus and His work, and uh, those are the things that show up to me in that uh, scattered gram of uh, of the frequency of words used. The second dimension is about uh, me or Paul, uh, as as you see his boasting, the grace, uh, what what the word know is used a great deal, what we have been given, and what has has been. has been received and also what is has been uh, uh gave as the word as well and uniting those two things together and many references to the heart or mind and then there's the the other dimension where the words like body and love and glory the things that apply to the church as a corporate group show up over and over and over again a little bit of fun but it helps uh, look at the theme of the book in a in a useful way So the major threads that flow through the chapter, and I won't go through this in much detail, we've looked at Titus' report after the painful letter was written, and he brought comfort and joy and encouragement. He reported on the forgiveness in the body of Christ, that you remember the real difficult situations of sinfulness in the by the very Christians in 1 Corinthians, and he's gotten some very positive reports from Titus as to what forgiveness has taken place and what growth has been the result of that forgiveness. Uh, the comfort and hope and suffering, we'll look at that in a few moments again in chapter 1. Uh, there's new efforts by false prophets that show up. This time, the false prophets and external influencers are Judaizers, Jewish, those of the Jewish race and their, their beliefs in what should be going on in a gathering of Jewish people and they are making new efforts against the Apostle Paul as he works with the new covenant agreement between God and man. He talks about pastoral visits and plans, which are very interesting and useful. The Apostle and his ministry in Christ in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 7, the thread of the grace of giving in chapters 8 and 9, and his defense, in a very elaborate and passionate defense against those who are opposing him, and the truth of the gospel. I just put a slide together to compare the book that's before us to the book we just finished. And uh, they're, they're very, very different books. You can't just say, okay, we've done Corinthians when you've finished the first book, because Second Corinthians has a very different uh, uh, sense and feel and focus. Uh, the organization of the First Corinthians is uh, very systematic in, re- in a big part in response to the things that the uh, group that visited him in Ephesus has brought to him, and he addresses those throughout the book. The organization in this book is not as straightforward and as easy to follow for the students who have to go follow me through it. Uh, the perspective uh, is very objective in the first book, and it's much more subjective and passionate and uh, personal in, in uh, Paul's work through uh, Second Corinthians. One focus that's very interesting is that 1 Corinthians was very focused by the apostle on the minister to, to the people at the church. In, in 2 the Corinthians, there's a lot of focus on the minister and the minister's obligations and his credibility and his authority and so on. And then we've talked about the external influencers in 1 Corinthians. The influencers in the church that had great hold uh, were from the pagan background. And in the second, there's much more of a focus on Judaism and how Paul Paul addresses the the Judaizers in his midst uh, throughout the book. Uh, The first uh, letter was very doctrinal in nature. 2 Corinthians is much more personal in nature. The tone in... 1 Corinthians is very deliberate, and in 2 Corinthians, it's very impassioned. On the part of the apostle, you see his passion as a minister uh, showing through the things that he's trying to lead them for. So the purposes of the book, as written, were to express relief, joy, and hope in their positive reactions to his visits and his earlier letters. He had a role of trying to build conciliation with the church, Uh, Because of his promises to visit that didn't exactly happen the way he promised them. And he'll spend some time uh, being conciliatory, but also explanatory in terms of why he didn't do what he promised. And uh, something different, a different way in which God led. And he had to do some work in that area. Uh, He's encouraging the grace of giving in two chapters. Uh, that was uh, also in play in 1 Corinthians about giving uh, to the Christians. Uh, in other place in the other place, Jerusalem, where uh, there was great need, and he wants to engage them in true apostleship and the authority from God uh, in the words that he was teaching, and he spends a great deal of time with that purpose in mind. The big picture and structure of the book is uh, 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 this is kind of from a bird's eye view, chapter one verses one to eleven is an introduction. He talks about conciliation or reconciliation all the way from uh, chapter 1, verse 12, through to chapter 7 and verse 16. And for speakers to come, it's interesting to note that the, the, these structures aren't uh, rigid. You, you pick up you pick up on one theme at the end of this chapter. It's, it's also, as Ted often points out, it's not neatly divided in the chapters that we're given. You have to overflow a little bit, even though we'll be dealing with it as chapters, but that creates great richness for us to over- overleave and interleave the way the Apostle Paul did as he moved, uh, moved through the book. The solicitation of chapters 8 and 9, and then the vindication that Paul presents of his own aposto- apostolic authority in chapters 10 through 13. This is just a glimpse of why we're studying it. Uh, it's a different lens through which we look at the book as to what is the spiritual nature that applicable to today that we can learn about uh, from this book. Uh, uh, In chapter one, we learn about ministers who stand firm in Christ. Uh, The next one is the nature of ministry in the church. Uh, Chapter three, it's about covenant. It's about ministry commendation and confidence. Chapter four is is a really important book on Christians as, as uh, people of clay that God is seeking to mold in, in the middle of their weakness. And yet that weakness just doesn't go away. It's a continuing ministry of God in our frailty, in our sin, unfortunately, and in our weaknesses in service of him. And there's a great deal said about that uh, in ministry treasures and ministries uh, of, of people who are of clay in a picture form chapter five is the ministry of reconciliation and a, just that great verse about we are ambassadors for christ and what that means for us in our christian walk uh, chapter six the accreditation of ministry and ministers together in in one book the encouragements of ministry in chapter seven as we've referred to earlier in the visit by titus and then the ministry of generosity and in, in chapters 8 and 9, the vindications of a minister, which we've covered, and our commitment to God and his power in Second Corinthians chapter 13. So another way of moving through this book is to ask the question that we asked at the beginning, where do we go when the go- going continues to be grueling for us? And so I've gone through the book and looked at the, the ways in which life was grueling to these folks, and how that can apply to us. And I'm not trying to tell other speakers exactly what God will help them share in these chapters, but uh, these are just an outline of what, what were the difficulties being faced in their lives. And these speakers to come will deal with those, those things and try to understand them there and then and apply them to us today. Chapter 1 when troubles overwhelm us, when we don't know whether we are exercising worldly wisdom or God's wisdom, when we're unsure what has happened to the promises of God, when others cause us deep grief. Chapter 2, when we find it difficult to forgive, when we forget that God does lead us, when we lose confidence in our faith, chapter 3, when we feel that there are veils over our minds and hearts, where is the Lord? When we lose heart. Chapter 5. When we are burdened and grown, when we forget what compels us, when we lose sight of God's views. Question of chapter 6. Does our behavior in difficulty harmonize with our position in Christ? Chapter 7. Does God have complete confidence in you and me as we serve and live for him? Chapters eight and nine. Do we excel in the gift of giving? How grounded are we in our commitment to serve the Lord? Second Corinthians twelve. Do we fail the test? So the last part of my work is to cover uh, chapter one. And as I pointed out, this this is a very interesting interleaving of of what Paul has to say, uh, how God works. How he worked with him as an apostle, and how the apostle worked with the people, and I and just highlighted the the major things that he says in the first part of the chapter, in this following way. He refers to God and God and Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ as two things. We all know that he is one thing, God. He's manifest in the flesh, Jesus. What the, what the focus is in this book is serving the Lord together and knowing the God who we've committed our lives to and what he is like. And then in, in the context of the Lord Jesus, he, he's referring to his sufferings in his service while he was here on earth. And he knits all that together in what he's saying in chapter one. God and, God and father is a God of compassion and comfort. In all of our troubles, yes, in the troubles related to our service for him, but in, it goes beyond that to all of the troubles we face in our Christian life. God is there for us. He never changes. He is there in the middle of our need. He's in the middle of our, when we think we don't have need for him, he's there walking beside us and coaching us, counseling us with, compassion, with great compassion and providing comfort to us uh, through these situations. And again, the Lord Jesus Christ is our model of what he suffered in life, what his sufferings were for the sake of the mission God had given him to do while he was here on earth. I'm not trying to split the Trinity apart, but these are focuses of, of what uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, uh, was doing in the context of this uh, first part of the book. So on the left-hand side of the chart, we have, we have our troubles And we have sufferings in Christ and we have sufferings uh, along the way uh, seeking to live for him. And like the apostle, he was working with this church and they were praying for him and he was praying for them. And they were both praying to God to help them in their living for him as as a church community. And then there's this concept of hope that comes up in the in the in the prayer that or or in the writing of Paul. The knowing that the others were praying for him gave him hope and gave him comfort, gave him encouragement. And vice versa, they would understand that what Paul is saying, in the middle of his troubles and trials and his sufferings for Christ, brought them hope because he continued to work for them. So those are all things interleaved. Uh, together in what Paul says in, for, in chapter 1. We need to be reminded by that to think about the God that we have. Oftentimes, chapter 1 is quoted in funeral services. God is a God of comfort in every trouble and every circumstance. But this chapter goes way beyond that. In, in all of our living, in all of our troubles, in all of our tribulations, in all of our sufferings, God is there. Our Heavenly Father, as a God of compassion, a God of strength, a God of comfort, and he is there for us. And we, too, ought to be found to be, uh, through all situations, praying ourselves to God for his guidance and wisdom, but also praying for one another in our church community as we seek to live in unity and in holiness as we serve him together through prayer of every kind. Now, in the next uh, slide, I want to overleave what was just said with these things that he says about these same topics in the rest of the chapter. And we don't have time to go through a detailed expository of the chapter, but the way I summarize it is to, to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, he adds faithful and gracious to God. And he's adding, and he could have gone, going, going on and on to articulate all of the aspects of the character and person of God. But here he focuses on God is faithful and God is gracious. He's, in spite of anything that we think we deserve or we don't deserve, he is still gracious to us. God's, as Tim said at communion this morning, God's riches at the expense of Christ that we don't earn, that he just gives, as a part of his character, his grace to us. And in terms of uh, the Apostle Paul, he focuses that in service of God, we do have troubles, we do have sufferings because of our service of him, and we are to serve him in holiness and sincerity. Without those two things, ministry and service are of no account. We need to be ministering with a personal exemplary form of behavior in holiness, living holy lives before the Lord, and in genuine sincerity uh, towards God as we seek to serve him uh, in sincerity and truth. And then hope is expanded on, which I find so interesting. Hope is, an, a, a, is something that gives us a hope in this life. As we pray for one another, it gives us hope. It, it, Elevates our spirit. It helps our attitude. It it gives us a a problem-solving and improvement type of attitude. But it's also something else that's very powerful, and we sung about it in communion. Paul adds, hope in the day of the Lord. That addition is is so important throughout this book that we we don't only have the view of this life, hoping to live a pretty good life in the Lord and going to church and these things. We have a hope that is so powerful in our lives because we know that Jesus is going to take us to be with himself for all eternity. Not everyone believes about eternal life. Not everyone thinks that it matters how we live now in light of something future that we don't know much about. We, as Christians, have this uh, unique hope that we, God has called us to be his for now and for all eternity. And that molds and shapes the way we look at the world today and how we live for him and how we uh, choose our values and our behaviors and what we do. We want to please him because one day we're going to be seated around the table with him in heaven for all eternity and and, uh, and share together there. hope in the day of the Lord. Where do we turn when the... the Going continues to be grueling. We call on the name of our Lord Jesus and God our Father. We revel in our enrichment and calling in him. We love and serve together in unity and, and with passion like the Apostle Paul. We rest in his faithfulness and we remain thankful in help. May God bless us and help us as we study this book together for his honor and his glory as these things are applied by the Spirit of God through his word to our lives. As we've meditated
0: on and thought about uh, the service that your your minister, Paul, gave to his church in Corinth and to the people of that area, how he learned to depend on you, how he learned to uphold his, his uh, church with prayer, and how they learned to uphold him with the same. May we, as we come before you, this week, may we remember that you are there to hear us, that you are there to comfort us and give us aid, that you are there to uh, to aid us, to help us, and to be present with us. May you uh, impress on our hearts the the great opportunity that we have in doing that. And pray now, Father, that you would be with us through the week leading us and guiding us and directing us and helping us to be your people to the world around us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at vfa.church Until next time.